Hallelujah. Uh, it is a privilege to hear from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he will speak. So let us beg him. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you have brought us here to hear from you and not from any man. So we are begging you, Spirit of the living God, that this evening also you speak to us from on high. We are pleading that you help us and meet us at our individual points of need, even as you reveal yourself. Because what is the life of the Spirit if it is not you? the spirit of the living God, expressing and living this life. We give you glory, we give you praise that you release the message we need, the grace we need, and help us, and that none of us will ever remain the same. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So brethren, good evening once again. I believe it will not be uh, proper if I don't uh, thank God here in your presence. Because it is 10 years ago, 2013. Maybe Reverend might even have for, forgotten when God delivered me from that serious challenge. That virtually I was drawing my buttocks on the ground. I didn't know. I had gone on missions in the Upper East. And I had been seeing the symptoms, but I couldn't get time to, to, to pray into it. So when we got to Boko, the brethren called Accra and said, The brother you brought is sick, so ask him to come back. I had decided not to tell anybody. Because Christ never promised us any soft living. Christianity is never a soft life. And so I was imagining that in case I am in the queue in heaven with Paul, and Paul will produce a certificate of suffering, what would I say? So the Lord showed me mercy. And it was a lumbar spondylosis plus many things. With high blood pressure, my pressure was 200 plus. So many things. But God decided to show me mercy. So here I came back to testify the goodness and the mercies of God. And so I was never admitted on hospital for one day. The doctor only showed me how I could sleep. I said I would do it. And so the Lord helped me. The last time I saw the doctor at that time, 10 years ago, he said I should buy lumbar corsets. I just sat down and looked at him and said, if God has brought me this far, is it the work of lumbar corsets that he cannot do? So I only said thank you. And ever since I, had, I never bought the lumbar corsets. And my walking now is better than 10 years ago. That is the grace 
and the mercy of God. And we have been seeing several things. God has been showing us his mercies in the bush. On two occasions, my wife died on my hands. No car, no money, no nothing. <laughs> but God revived her. So we cannot hide this when we are singing and talking of the mercies and the goodness of God. Nothing comes near that. So this evening the Lord is asking us, is coming to talk to us about understanding the life of the Spirit. And I love the way Brother Billy explained understanding. He said there is an under to that standing. And so there is an under to the standing of the life of the Holy Spirit. And we are trusting the Holy Spirit to help us. Yesterday we discovered that God would never, for anything at any time, compromise on the life of the flesh. It is a sworn enemy of God. And when we look at the scripture, we saw how that life came in. And God in his wisdom has also shown us the way back. It happened, we lost it in the garden. We recovered it in the garden. Because in the garden, God told the man, of the day that you shall eat of the fruit, you will die. And so when man ate of the fruit, he actually died spiritually. And instead of falling down, another life took over. Another life hijacked the body. And ever since, man has been working with that sinful nature until Christ came. And so in that garden on that day also, when the battle became so tough, and the enemy was pushing him to ask God, to compel God to, to, to provide another means. He only said, thy will be done. By this he accepted to die. And so by his dying, that old life was done away with. And the new life came in. Hallelujah. So we will be looking at that. But let us begin from uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we may read three passages for the time being. John chapter 1, we will look at verses 32 to 34. John 1, 32 to 34. He says, I did not know him. Please let me pick it well. John 1, 32 to 34. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit Descending from heaven like a dove. 
and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified about this. Testify that this is the Son of God. Then when you go to 3.34, John, the same John chapter 3, verse 34. Then we see that for he whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loved the Son and had given all things into His hand. He who believes in this Son, in the Son, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Then the last passage we are looking at. Is Luke chapter 1, verse 35. says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So we have seen how our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ entered the world and how he lived his life. Because in looking and understanding the life of the Spirit, there are some few things we must take notice of. We must take notice of the divinity of Jesus Christ. We must take notice of his work on the cross. We must take notice of the Holy Spirit also. We need to know him so that when we bring them together plus many other things, which time will not allow, we will understand the life of the Spirit. And pursue it. So looking at the way that Jesus Christ came into the world, it is clear from these passages that he was not only born of the Spirit, but he was also filled with the Spirit without measure. And so these two things we would have to look at. Now how we were born of the Spirit. And what ought to happen to you and I, who are men of the flesh, whom the devil has hijacked. And so we carry another spirit. How can we belong to him? 
How can we live the life of the Spirit? And how can we follow? We need to understand that all along from the Old Testament, the ceremonies and many things that were done never solved the problem of sin. Even for as many bulls and goats and sheep and cattle that were actually offered, they never solved the problem of sin. Man remained a sinner. So Noah came with hope. And we're thinking, oh, this man has survived the flood. We have hope. No sooner had he become a drunkard. And so it didn't work. It didn't work for Moses. It didn't work for David. It didn't work for them. So what was the problem? And how was God going to solve the problem? And so we are seeing that in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6, God has laid down what needed to happen. We saw the picture in the Garden of Eden when God killed a lamb. And then he shed that blood and covered man with the skin of the lamb. We have seen several things, several pictures. And God was saying in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, He was saying that, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. So if a man's heart has not been circumcised, there is no way you can obey the greatest commandment. And so if you cannot obey the first commandment and the greatest, the second follows it. And so God actually gave a picture. And that picture and that prophecy and that plan was unfolded in Jesus Christ. When we come to Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 11, reading from verse number 11. And we are begging God that by the power of the Holy Spirit, He will again reveal this to us. From Colossians chapter 2 verse 11, the Bible says, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made with hands, made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Christ, we know, was circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. So which circumcision then was God talking about in Deuteronomy? And God through the Paul the Apostle is telling us here. Let us push a little further, maybe to verse 16. Buried with him in baptism. Wherewith also you are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God who has raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins 
and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. So let us jump to verse 20 because we don't have much time. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why are those living in the world? Are ye subject to ordinances? And so the circumcision of Christ that the Bible is talking about is his death on the cross. So the cross becomes central in understanding the life of the spirit without encountering the cross. No prayer of any man will be able to help you. In fact, the best prayer any man can offer to you is that you will encounter the cross. Because when you look at Numbers 21, and the Israelites sinned against God. And God sent serpents to do what? To destroy them, those who have sinned. They went to uh, Moses and said, Moses, intercede for us, oh, for we have sinned against God. And we don't know what to do. Their people are dying. And Moses, being the faithful servant, and the humble servant, did what? lifted up his voice unto prayer. And God said, this matter cannot be solved by the prayer of any man. Not even you, Moses. Because I have devised my plan and my strategy for the redemption of man. If the Adamic nature came in by death, it is also by death because when man dies spiritually, or when the Spirit of God withdrew itself, the hijacker, the thief, the robber, the murderer, the Adamic nature is a thief, is a murderer. He came to steal and to destroy. He took over the body I have prepared for my glory to use it against me. So the problem is not with the body. My brother, there is nothing wrong with your tribal marks. There is nothing wrong with your body. But what is wrong is what your body carries. It is what is inside. And so God said, I have also got another person who is endowed with the capacity to deal with that hijacker, 
that 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 thief who has taken my space, and when I deal with him, then deliverance will come to my children. And so, this is the wisdom God gave Moses. He said, Moses, let me show you what to do. Go and make a brazen serpent, the likeness of sin, and hang it on the cross. And whoever is beaten, let me read the word of God. For us to see whether what God told Moses happened. And so, he said, Make thee a fiery serpent, number 21, 8, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is beaten, when he looketh upon it, shall leave. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Hallelujah. But unfortunately today for many of us, the cross has been a ceremony. You know, during the time of the, of, of, I think it's the second kings, it was called the Nehushtan. It was only celebrated without its power. And today it is so for many. But when you look at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 3, then you will know what God did for us. How did God replicate this? Because in John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus had explicitly stated it, that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert for all to see. So, or in the same way. And so what happened in Numbers 21 was a shadow of the reality. And Jesus said in the same way. But why is it that we are looking at the cross and nothing has happened to us? Has the cross, have you experienced the cross? Many of us have not experienced the cross. Because when you go back to Numbers 21, there is something small that we at times ignore. But when we ignore it, we have ignored the counsel of God. We have ignored the wisdom of God. We have, we, we, we have ignored God's way of deliverance. When you look at it carefully, the verse 8, he says, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is beaten, when he looks up upon it, shall leave. Hallelujah. Have you looked upon the cross? Have you seen it? If you don't see it, it will not happen to you. You might have heard it, but you might not have seen it. 
Has it been revealed to you? Have you encountered it? Do you have a personal testimony of your encounter with the cross? If you haven't, your experience cannot stand. It cannot last. This is what it means to be born again. That when I say I am born again, I have experienced the cross where the exchange of my own nature with the life of Christ took place. Where he took my Adamic nature and gave me his own life. And the Bible says it is a mystery. The Bible says so it is not something you cannot just pick from anywhere. You cannot attend to it casually. You need to beg God for grace and mercy. You need to pray so that you will see it for yourself. Like I'm saying, and I want to say again, the cross is not working for many of us because we have not seen it. Jesus Christ, God did not say that if the serpent bites you, uh, go and look for a stick and run after the serpent and go and, and, and kill it with a stick. But today, in many deliverance programs, they will tell you when you are coming to church, bring a cane. Today, we, we will ship Satan very well. It is concert. Nothing happens. Or it says, if the snake bites you, uh, apply first aid. Tie the place where it beats you, and nothing will happen. It will not happen. It did not say, when you sin, and death is knocking at your door. Just hear it. It will not happen. Because he says, unless you do what? Unless you see it. So one prayer we will be praying this night. Lord, oh God, open my eyes to see my own death on the cross. If you cannot see it on the cross, I don't know how you can give your newborn, your, your, your born again experience. The born again experiences are, we went to a program and that day I wept, ah, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. What did the weeping translate into? Did you see the cross? Did you see your old nature? Did you see your wretchedness on the cross? Because when you do not see it, you have not seen God's provision for our deliverance. It ought to be seen. It ought to be encountered. You ought to have a personal testimony of that. Then your conversion is genuine. It is attempted because today Christianity, we don't take pains to even teach new converts. What it means to be baptized by water. We only just organize one day, two day course. We give them certificate. And so we baptize people who have not died. And so the person says he, he has been baptized. But by the time he comes out from the water. And someone calls on the phone. Where are you? Oh, I am just standing by the roadside. The line has not changed. Nothing has changed in the person's life. That is, that is wrong baptism. Maybe it is because you were not taught that what? 
we are baptized into his death. We are not baptized into a denomination. We are baptized into the death of Christ. And so our water baptism is the public declaration that our sinful nature has been carried to the cross. And then it didn't come back. And in exchange of that, we have been given a new life. We are accepting that Isaiah 53 says, the iniquity of our soul was laid upon him, including my own iniquity. It also means that when Jesus was drinking the cup, my own sin was also part of what he drank. And so when he went to the cross and he said, it is finished, my own matter was finished. Have you encountered the cross? May I beg you, with all sincerity, please, if you have not genuinely encountered it, please have time. The church authorities will be able to handle this matter. And not until you have encountered it, you are not saved. I must tell you. I must tell you. Until you have a personal testimony, a personal witness, because that is the basis of our Christian life. When you come to Romans chapter 6, you see that matter there. Right from verse 6, it says, Knowing this, please, do you know it? Do you know it has happened? We are talking of the cross. But unfortunately today, the cross is no longer preached. The cross has been shifted to the background. And men are preaching other things. It's probably because the people themselves have not been circumcised in their heart. They have not. They, they, they have not encountered the cross. They have not experienced the death that Christ died for them to be free. Because if you do not know it, then you don't know what has happened. As we are looking at Romans chapter 6, it says, knowing this, not knowing this, knowing this. So what particular thing do I ought to know? What particular thing do I ought to know about Christ? He said that your, our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. And so if you know this. And it has occurred to you. The power of sin over your life has been broken. And so to sin is a matter of choice. If you decide not to sin. You can still live without sinning. Sin will not be your practice. Why? Because that man who was, who was the tyrant had been dealt with. The Adamic nature is a tyrant. It will never allow you freedom. Do you know what happened to the Israelites? When they wanted to go and worship, Pharaoh is a symbol of the flesh. It's a symbol of Satan. He said, who is that God? That I should allow you to go and worship in the desert. 
It is because you are lazy. Until the power of Pharaoh was broken. When he saw that there was a power beyond his power, he put them to go and serve God. So maybe you don't like serving God. If you don't like serving God, you don't like serious spiritual activity, check whether you have genuinely died. Because until you die, or until the evacuation has taken place, the Spirit of God can never come in. Because no man carries two lives. Every man carries one life at a time. And the only place that life works is where the enemy came to hijack. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean that the cross has happened to you? It is when the stony heart has been taken away. When Christ died, the Adamic nature is the stony heart. You know the nature of a stone, it never changes. The stone never accepts anything, it is impermeable. No amount of water can go through. Wherever you put the stone, that is where it is. That is the Adamic nature. That is the stony heart. Unless it has been removed, and then your own spirit, it became so contaminated that God gives you another spirit. And then he puts his spirit in you for him to dwell in you. You are not yet born again. No wonder Nicodemus was of the flesh. And so he was struggling to understand spiritual things. May I ask, has the cross happened? If the cross has not happened in your life, and if it is not continuously working in your life, you cannot last. You can't go far. So what are we seeing from Romans chapter 6 verse 7? For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with, with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no more dominance over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he lived unto God. That is why when you read the book of Hebrews, all the ministers unto Jesus, whenever they went into the temple to work, they never sat down. Why did they never sit down? The matter of sin never finished. But when Christ came and he offered his life and died on the cross, the Bible says he is seated, he sat down on the right hand side of the Father. Have you received rest from the power of sin? Have you received rest from those things? Or your life is rising and falling and you have been deceived into thinking that uh, who is man? And you will be quoting, if we say that we have no sin, then we are lying and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Is it not this same man under the unction of the Holy Spirit? When you go to about 1 John 3, 8, thereabout, 
He said, he who has died has seen him, does not make a practice of sin. For this cause was the Son of Man revealed. Hallelujah. What is your position concerning sin? If there is any challenge, it is because you have not seen the cross. You have not understood the cross. And I tell you, if death has not occurred, no life. Have you ever seen a main seed that was sown, that did not die, but germinated into a new life? So even biologically, God shows us that unless a seed falls to the ground and it dies, it cannot live a new life. What is your experience? Because you can never enter into the spiritual life when you have not died. Why? The Holy Spirit can never come upon any man who is of the flesh. Is it Exodus 30, 22? Let us look at what God said there. So that we will beg God and pray. And then know how we will live. So Exodus 30, 32. What are we saying? It says, says that what? Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall he make any other like it. No, let us just take that. When at the time when they were using the anointing oil, what were God saying? Before God came here, he was talking about who? About the priests who have been consecrated, upon whom the oil could be poured. But on any other man who has not been consecrated, the oil could not be poured. In our time, any man of the flesh, any man of the flesh, can never receive the Holy Spirit. So it was when Jesus died, and then he came back in John. Upon his resurrection, he said, he breathed unto them, and he said what? Receive the Spirit. Why did Jesus fall? Why could he not be able to even do that before he died? It would have traversed the, the law of God, and it would have been impossible. Have you died? Hallelujah. Have you died? Have you died to sin? Have you died? Do you belong to Christ? Because it is foundational. Look at what Galatians 5.24 is saying. It says, They that belong to Christ have done what? They have crucified. They have crucified the Adamic nature with essence and passions. It says, And they that are Christ have crucified their flesh with their affections and lust. So when Christ went to the cross, just like yesterday we were saying that the flesh, the nature, the sinful nature and its byproducts, that was what Sarah was telling the husband. 
that it is not only Ishmael that might be driven away. If you drive Ishmael away and you and uh, 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 and Hagar remains, Hagar will reproduce again. And so to cut this matter short, get rid of Hagar, which is the tree that produces and the product. And so when if you belong to Christ, the producer, the Adamic nature, the sinful nature, the life by which you and I were born. I think when you go to First uh, Peter one eighteen, it is that it says, "Let's pick it because it matters, so that uh, the Lord will help us." First Peter one eighteen, we are looking at the matter of the cross. So First Peter one eighteen says that for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. That life that we received, it is a vain conversation. So the unfortunate thing is, that life will remain in a parliamentarian, will remain in a pilot, will remain in a minister, it will go through all the educational system. And so one, when it is working, it is refined nonsense. So it is not surprising that parliamentarians are fighting in parliament. It's because of that thing. He fights everywhere. He fights everywhere. He looks at your picture. He looks at you and gives you the correct dress. And so if you know that you will be very effective in destroying maybe the village something. That is where he puts you. If he knows that you will be very effective in drunkenness, he dresses you as a drunkard. And he, he uses you like there used to be something the, the, uh, Koliko you are there, you are a puppet. And he pulled the strings. Hallelujah. So when he sees he cannot make profit of you from there again, then he will do what? He will change it. That life must go. That is the life that will go to a meeting. And as soon as they finish the meeting, they will ask, did Kwesi Mensa, I believe no one is Kwesi Mensa, Okay, did uh, Simon Sagwa come to the meeting? They said yes. What did he say? As they say at Asishwa. Because they know that once you are in the meeting, the meeting will never end. And so people have advised you and you said I have changed. And so that day people will say if you want to control temper, take a deep breath. Count one, two, three. Useless psychology. It is useless psychology. And so he said that day they had decided not to, not to, not to misbehave. So I went to the meeting late. So that all the things they would discuss, they would finish discussing. But when they were summarizing, one man said something and I said, this one day I won't take it. What do you mean? Because I have kept silent. That is why everybody is talking like that. 
What do you mean? What do you take me for? We couldn't say the closing prayer. Do you still carry a life like that anywhere? When you appear somewhere, they say, Ujamaba. Because you can scatter everything at any time. You need to encounter the cross. You need to come to the cross to die with that life. So that Christ can come and dwell in you. Because if you do not experience the cross, it is impossible to live the life of the Spirit. It is never possible. You can be speaking in tongues. But if that man has not been evacuated, you can never live that life. Because the man is still on the seat. And so to who, those who have experienced the cross, how do we live this life of the spirit? So I will just cite some three Bible verses. For example, when the Apostle Paul experienced it, it became the basis of his spiritual life. So when you come to Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me. And gave himself for me. Hallelujah. That was Paul's experience. One of his experiences. That if you look at Paul. And you study Paul. And the way he persecuted the church. And the Lord in his mercy. Brought him to this conclusion. To this position. Oh he's so gracious. Because he started from Second Corinthians 5.14. He says without judge. I think some, there are some judges here. You look at the two sides of the argument and you take a position. And so Paul had looked at where he was coming from as a Pharisee, as a defender of the Old Testament. And he was looking at the, the case of Christ. It was no longer anything written. But when he was on his way to Damascus, oh, he encountered the cross. And so Christ said, Paul, Paul, why do thou persecute me? So Paul was riding on the horse. We don't know where the horse fell. The letters he had collected to go and pursue the believers. We don't know up to, to today what happened to the, those letters. He was sprawling on the ground. And then he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? First he said, who are you, Lord? And you said, I am Jesus Christ. You thought, you think like a Pharisee. That my death is a curse. Because the Bible has said, curse is any man who is hung on a tree. But it is because of your ignorance. It is because the veil has not been taken away from your eye. I became a curse because of you. I did not become a curse upon my own self. Because I committed no sin. Neither was any sin found in me. And when I died, having passed the judgment, and God said, I am, I'm not guilty. And so God justified me. So death could not hold me captive. And I have arisen. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a testimony of my finished work. 
And so, Paul, I am still living, I have not died. Then Paul saw that, no, he had been followed. He had been following the wrong thing. And so he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And so for any life, have you fallen from your horse yet? Your horse of education? Your horse of social status? That way gives you power. That way gives you the ability to move around. That which you depend on for your human exploit. Have you fallen from it yet? If you have not fallen from it, you have not died. The cross has not worked in you. And you are still in bondage. And living in that bondage is a, a, is a wretched life. Because you will be crying secretly in your room. Ah! This thing I said I won't do it all. But I don't know what happened. Oh Jesus, forgive me. It's because death has not taken place. Because the man is very crafty. When you are fasting, he says, and you want to rest. Me cry, I'm tired, I will, I will also rest. And so he will be hiding. And then the day you are breaking your fast, the food you prepare to break your fast. Oh, you left it somewhere, somewhere, and the children were playing football. And one boy by mistake kicked the cocoa up. And you said, hey, who put the cocoa up? The knock you gave that boy up to today. He has finished university. He remembers it. The man was at work. He said, me, the only way for me is the cross. Oh, but if it is not unto the cross, when you rest, I will also rest. Your body didn't cry too much, but I will come back again. Has it happened to you? And so Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. My brother, when you die with Christ, you will live. But it's another man. It is Christ inside. Because let me tell you, the spiritual life is not an effort we make to live. Never. The spiritual life is allowing Christ to live his own life in you. So that even when it comes to the bearing of the fruit of the Spirit, it is not your effort. Never. Christ is the word, is the stem, and we are the branches. It is what goes through him that comes into us, and that's what, and bears for fruit. That is the principle of every tree. I haven't seen a branch lobbying for nutrients, lobbying for other things to put it together to bear forth fruit. So when we are even talking of the fruit of the Spirit, if Christ is not living in you, you can never, you can never bear the fruit of the Spirit. As the other man lives in you, and he, produce, and he works for Christ, you are at rest. But how will it happen? It is only when Christ had died. And so, Paul was saying this, that I have been crucified with Christ. But he said, nevertheless, I live. But who lives in me? It is Christ who lives in me. It is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, what the body contains, oh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who died and gave his life for me. Hallelujah. That is the life of the Spirit. Many of us, 
It is speaking in tongues is not the life of the spirit. The operation of gates is not fully the life of the spirit. What are we saying? Life. So we are talking about what is life. You can be operating the gift and be sinning. Many are operating the gift and they are what? And they are telling lies. They are fornicating. They are fighting. Hallelujah. We are talking of the character. It is the character that holds the charisma. If the character is not correct, if there are leakages in the character, oh, very soon the charisma will finish. Do you see what happened to Samson? Are you filled with the spirit? And so what are we saying? It is Christ living his life in you to produce the fruit of the spirit. How can Christ live in me? It is only when I have died. So how can I continue in that life? Second Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 10 to 12. We are praying God will give us some small time. Second Corinthians 4, verse 10. It says, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worked in us, but life in you. And so it is my daily dying that will produce a new life in other people. No wonder Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily. Daily dying. You can never say that you have died once. No. The flesh speaks to you daily. And the only way is for you to also go to the cross. My brother, if you don't go to the cross, if you don't go to the cross daily, don't let anybody deceive you that there are some, there are some, uh, they say treasures of Christian wisdom, something, something minor, the cross. It's a fallacy. It is emptiness. When you look at the cross, it was the basis upon everything that Christ became. When you look at uh, Revelation chapter 5, oh, we, may, we will beg God to read it so that we will see that in, for Christ Jesus, it was even by the cross that he became what he became. May we always carry his cross as you wake up every morning. Speak to yourself that this morning, I have died with Christ and I no longer live. I reject the flesh. I re the flesh speaks a foreign language to me. And you see newness of life. So from Jeremiah 5, uh, Revelation 5, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, 
Who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seed thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man, why was our brother John weeping? He said, no man in heaven, not even Jesus Christ, not even the great apostle. And so he was asking himself, if nobody, then what have I followed? Then why have I wasted my time? Then why have I taken this risk? But we thank God, there was an answer to his weeping. If you die with Christ, there will be an answer to your weeping. And so what are we saying? He says, and I, he says, and one of the elders said unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seeds thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders to the Lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. Look at what happened. In verse 5, he was described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so, when, what do you think John was expecting? Was he not expecting a lion? But by the cross, Christ has been translated from being a lion, very fearful, very strong, uncontrollable, unto a lamb. Not only a lamb that was slain, suffering. And so it was by humility and it was by suffering that Christ prevailed to take the boot from on high. That is what the cross will make you. It will break the stubborn nature. The Adamic nature is stubborn, we said yesterday. And it does not accept anything. But when you come to the cross, the cross, the cross will cross, will crush that life and give you the life of Christ. The life of a lamb. And you see, it will seem that you are like weak. But brother, it is not weakness. Humility is not weakness. When you come to Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse number this, you will see how Christ died. And so if the cross also happens to you, it shall be the same. Is it 13 verse 4? I think so. He says, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Hallelujah. It comes by the cross. It will crush everything that is not acceptable to God and give you the nature of God. And let us look what his death on the cross also procured for us. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them 
harps, and golden vials, full of others, others, which are the prayers of sin. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seed thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed unto God by, the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue, and people and nation, and has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. If the cross has not taken place in your life, you can never be a priest to God. You can never be a royal to God. You can never carry any glory, and you will not be among those who reign on the earth. Not only that, let's go forward. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them were ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That was what his death on the cross procured. Did he need this for himself? It was for you and I who have also died on the cross with him so that we shall be able to do what? To live the life of the Spirit. We may have to put an end to the cross here. We can speak it round because without the cross there is nothing. It says it is what? The gospel is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The cross, when we are talking of the gospel, the focus is the cross. It is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So now let us come to that just one side. How do I live the life of the Spirit? By coming to the cross. Then how do I also live by the, the life of the Spirit? By understanding the, the, the divinity of Christ. As we have read, the Bible said in Luke 1, in John 1, 32, uh, 34, and then uh, John 3, 34. We cannot go back to them because there is no time. But listen to John's testimony. He said, I did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize told me, the one on whom the Spirit is descending and not going back but will abide, he is the one. Then he came to John chapter 3, 34 to explain. He said, God has given the Spirit to him without measure. Brother, it was given to Moses by measure. It was given to Isaiah by measure. It was given to all the prophets, even John himself by measure. But unto Christ, the whole of the Spirit of God was poured upon him. You see, when at times we are talking of discipleship, uh, it is just unfortunate and pitiful that people take it for a program. But I want to tell you that if you are not a correct disciple, you can never live the life of the Spirit. <coughs> Sorry. Because what is the fullness of living the life of the Spirit? The fullness and the perfection of living the life of the Spirit is to become like Christ. Is to become like Christ. I am saying it again. 
when we are talking of the measure of the fullness of the life of the Spirit, is when you have become like Christ. Because it is unto Him that the Spirit was poured without measure. And so the Bible says, The Father has committed all things into my hands. So when the Spirit was poured upon Christ without any measure, there was no revelation of the Word of God. That was not given to Christ. There was no wisdom of the Word of God of God that was kept from Christ. Which means that the things He teaches are supreme and operable. No other saying of any man comes near Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Spirit was poured upon him without measure, without limit. Nothing was left. And so the whole counsel of God was deposited in Christ. That is why he had the power to say, they wrote this, but I say this. Because he is speaking with all the fullness of the wisdom and the power and the unction of God. This is the man we are following as disciples. So that as the word became flesh, what does it mean? It is the spirit word. We are not talking of gathering together of, of some letters of some alphabets. No. The spirit word, that which is life, became embodied in him. And so it broke forth and we saw it. That is why we are following him. So for you to say that you are living the life of the spirit and you are not following Jesus Christ. Who is your example? Is it Moses? Moses will tell you, a prophet like me will God your father send. Listen to him. Who is your example? You say you are a spiritual Christian. How are you living the life of the spirit? Because the Holy Ghost is also the Spirit of Christ. When you look at John chapter 14, uh, reading from verse 16 to 26, when you look at John chapter 15, when you look at John chapter 16, it pains me we don't have time. We will see how Christ understood the Holy Spirit. You will see how he lived his life. That is the perfection of the spiritual life. So let me ask you, how are you living the life? You say you are spiritual. Who are you following? Is it the Holy Spirit? Did Jesus not say that when he comes, he will never speak of himself, but he will take of mine and give to you, so that the Holy Spirit can never say anything different, apart from what Christ has taught us. That is why Christ says that what? Go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Why would Jesus say that? Because all the wisdom of God was handed over to him. And the one which will make us to end well, which will make us to be acceptable unto the Father, that is what he commanded his apostles because he told them that all that the Father has given me, I have given you. So brethren, I beg you, discipleship as we are talking about, the objective is to become like Christ. Christ living his life. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So what are we saying? 
Without the Holy Spirit, you can never live the life of the Spirit. Without knowing the Holy Spirit, do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit talk to you? Do you inquire from the Holy Spirit? Because John 14, 16, Jesus said, I will, not, I will send you another comforter. The word that is critical there is another. He said, what I was doing for you and with you before I am leaving unto heaven, the Holy Spirit will come and continue and do the same. I will never leave you as orphans. And so if the Holy Spirit comes, He guides us into all truth. He takes of Christ and gives to us the thing that we have forgotten. He does what? He brings them to our remembrance. He is, they, they say what, is it our the paraclete or something? He is our advocate. He is our helper. He guides us into the things of God. And so even when you come to the Old Testament, he says what? Uh, do not lean on your own understanding. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will do what? He will direct your path in the Holy Spirit. Do you have fellowship with him? Do you know him very well? Do you submit to him? Do you hear him? Are you living in the Spirit? And are you led by the Spirit? For the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. God, we need God to beg us to understand the spiritual life, the life of the Spirit. Because many trusts have been spread all over. Because first, the root cause and the foundation and the strength of the life of the Spirit, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, His death on the cross is no longer preached. And I wonder, if you say you are filled with the Spirit of God, and Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He will testify of me. He will teach you things that I have already taught you. He will guide you into all truth. And that Holy Spirit is not guiding you into the truth of the gospel. There is a problem. Check that man well. Check what you hear well. Check what you listen to well. Because apart from the message of the cross, there is nothing. There is nothing. Motivation will only exercise your ego. It does not have the power to deal with the Adamic nature. It is only by the cross of Jesus Christ. That is what God has accepted. That is what God acknowledges. Brethren, the life of the Spirit is the life of the cross. When you have hard time to come to the cross, I don't know what you will not find there. Is it patience? Is it love? Is it mercy? Is it forgiveness? Is it tolerance? Is it faith? Is it hope? Is it peace? Is it joy? What else can you not find in the cross? Don't let people teach you topics. Let us learn the cross. Let us learn him. 
in my conclusion, how do we live the life of the Spirit? Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 20 to 24. Maybe we'll read that and we'll close. And the Lord will continue as we go home and meditate on this. So Ephesians 4, from verse 20, he says, But you have not so learned Christ. Brother, those who are not following this way, they have learned some other thing, but not Christ. Because if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful love, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. When you come to Christ, these are the things. He will first point to your Adamic nature, because without that, you cannot matter in his plan. Without that, you can never live the spirit of life, and then the other things follow. So in conclusion, in understanding the life of the spirit, like I said, it is not an effort that we make. It is allowing Christ, who lives in us, to live his own life. And how do we allow him to live his own life? When we die daily to self, when we die daily to the Adamic nature, and we tell him that, Lord, have your own way. Take your seat. Do according to your good pleasure. Oh, work in me that which is perfect in thy sight. The grace of God will help us. The mercy of God will help us to live, to understand the life of the Spirit and to live it. Angels did not live it. Men like you and I, but this was the secret. Allowing Christ, he said, he is the Prince of Life, Acts chapter 3 verse 15, to rule in our hearts and we will be there. Hallelujah. Can we pray a little? Like we said, the basic thing is the cross. Have, have you encountered the cross? Do you encounter it often and often? Let us beg God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Makuri basata kadaba. Zipuri basandelebe. We beg you, O God. You said we ought to see it. Take away every veil. Take away every veil, O God. Have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us, O God. Have mercy on us, O God. Father, we have come to the cross. Lord, have mercy. Take away every veil, O God. And give us a personal encounter of the cross again, Lord. For in it lies your power and your wisdom. Your power to deal with, with the Adamic nature. Your power to break the power of sin. Your power to deliver us from the tyranny of sin. Oh, your power to deliver us from the wicked taskmaster. So that we shall have the liberty to serve you and to live the life of the Spirit. We reject 
the tyrant, the hijacker. You created the body for your glory. Lord, come and take your body again, O God. Bring her to the cross. We beg you, O God. Le braka hanta le maka. Rokoto liba sandalaba. Breka taraba kadele. Rokita dele hafuta dele mafuapa. Le braka kale makadele. Rokata le mama mama. 